0: Hi, I'm Ava Page, and I listen to Backstage Chats with Women in Music.
1: Welcome to another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood. Today's show features our very first teen guest. This 15-year-old Nashville-based singer-songwriter just released her single, Hope Comes In. She keeps her 16,000-plus Instagram followers entertained pretty much daily and she's taking childhood leukemia head-on with grace and determination. Please welcome the prettiest poison who always takes the high road, Miss Ava Page. Welcome to the show, Ava. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on board. And you know, just to let everybody know, this is May 2020. So Ava's in Nashville, and I'm in Austin. But the great part about the podcast is the show can still go on, right?
0: Absolutely. Thank God for the internet.
1: That's right. Well, I figured we'd get the shindig started with the shakedown, which is a set of questions that we ask all of our special guests. Are you ready to shake it down? Absolutely. All right. The first question, who was your first concert?
0: My first concert, and it's so funny that you said these are shakedown questions because her single was Shake It Off. Uh, My first concert was Taylor Swift when I was, I think, around seven years old. Um, And I won't lie, I fell asleep halfway through the concert because I was young and nothing stops me from taking a nap. But um, it was apparently it was an amazing show. And Taylor puts on such a good performance.
1: Oh, I love that story. That's wonderful. And you know, hey, there's only so much excitement a little body can take, right?
0: (laughs) Exactly. It was my first concert ever. And of course, the stadium was packed. I think it was a Bridgestone, if I'm not mistaken. What was
1: the first album that you bought with your own money?
0: Ooh, that would probably have to be a vinyl record of Chris Stapleton. Uh, My parents bought me a vinyl, uh, a record player, and bought me a few vinyls and stuff. And I think Chris Stapleton volume one, I think, was the first one that I bought.
1: And are you big into vinyl now?
0: I am. I have a whole collection. And um, my grandmother sadly passed away a couple years ago, and she had a humongous vinyl collection. So um, it got passed down to me. So I have a lot of vinyl. (laughs)
1: What a beautiful gift. Absolutely. It's the gift that keeps on giving. The gift that keeps on giving. Uh, Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? Or I might say your record player.
0: (laughs) It's probably a tie between two. And anyone, uh, actually it's a tie between for, if I'm being completely honest, but um, anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge Chris Tableton fan, and um, he's one of my biggest musical influences. So probably all of his albums. Uh, Ash- Ashley McBride's new album Never Will is absolutely amazing. Brandy Clark just released an album, and um, it is absolutely amazing. And uh, always uh, Travis Meadows because those are some of my biggest influences, and
1: I cannot get enough of their music. Which woman has had the most influence on your career?
0: talking about, um, musical influences here, number one and will always be number one is my mother because she supports me through everything. And she's, um, one of the reasons that I can pursue my crazy dream, but, um, <laughs> musical wise, um, is a tie between three amazing artists and amazing women. Um, first one has to be Ashton McBride, uh, her music and her story and everything. Uh, is absolutely inspiring and she has shaped the way that I think about songwriting and think about artistry. Um, second again has to be Brandy Clark because um, she her just her writing style and her performances are just so moving and her stories that she tells with their songs are just absolutely crazy and amazing. And the third probably has to be Miss Carly Pierce. Um, all of these women ha- I've met and have grown to be friends with. And I'm very honored that I uh, get to call them friends. They have all been just so incredibly supportive and uh, I can't thank them enough.
1: Well, that's quite a group of women and quite a support team you have there. Next question. If you could have dinner with any woman dead or alive, who would it be?
0: Ooh, that's a hard one. You might have got me stumped here.
1: Ooh, I know it's a tough one, isn't it? A lot of people (laughs) have a hard time with this. (laughs)
0: it would probably be Dolly Parton. And that might seem out of nowhere listing my song, um, song influences, but she has done everything in this industry. She has risen to the top. She has been put down by people. She has risen back up from that. She's been on live television and gone all the way to the top. And she, the knowledge that she must have about this industry is, is priceless. So I would love just to, chat and pick her brain about stuff
1: (laughs) I think she's a fantastic choice and especially because I can only imagine the stories she would tell
0: oh yeah I mean we watched the um docu um the documentary that Keith Burns did the the country documentary Keith Burns described in the documentary that I will always love you was written for Porter Wagner and um as you know uh, she was on his show um back in the day and um something happened and she wanted to leave the show because she wasn't getting a long enough segment or something along the lines of that she wasn't being treated too well and Porter said no you cannot go and she wrote the song about him and um it's absolutely crazy the the documentary explains the whole thing but
1: uh super super cool what is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? <laughs> well, there's a lot of life goals that I hope to accomplish
0: in my lifetime. Probably one of the main ones, and I've started working on it now, sort of, is to start up my uh, startup and LLC, uh, which, which I've already started. Um, and uh, let that, uh, it's, it's called Picking the kicking Cancer. And uh, we did a benefit concert for uh, for my cancer fund. One of my main goals, I hope, is to grow that to help other kids and to help other people uh, who are dealing with um, cancer and uh, help them out because I know how hard it can be. And I hope
1: that honestly lives beyond my (laughs) lives beyond my years and carries on. What a wonderful legacy. And you know what? We're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the interview. Uh, Everybody, we're here with Ava Page today, and we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You can help Horizon Music Foundation uplift female trailblazers and rising stars in music. Go to backstagechats.com and click the donate button. For as little as $10 per month, your recurring monthly gift provides the education, experience, and role modeling our next generation of female music makers need to be successful in the music industry. Visit backstagechats.com and click donate. Join our tribe of dreamers, rule breakers, and rock stars. And we're back with Ava Page from Nashville. And uh, I'd like to jump in. And talk about your new release, Hope Comes In, which you co wrote with Jeffrey Joseph East and Robert Banks Simpson. Do you mind sharing with the audience what this song's message means for you?
0: Absolutely. So I wrote this song about, gosh, it's about one and a half years ago. We were at a writer's retreat and everyone was sort of sharing their stories at the table, uh, at the breakfast table. Jeffrey is an absolute madman when it comes to writing. So um, he sort of slips away and um, we were scheduled uh, to, me and Bobby were scheduled to write with him that day. We sort of pop into the room and he's like, hold on, I got this idea and I'm trying to write it down before I forget it. He got inspired by everyone's stories at the breakfast table and he had this idea, you know, no matter what we face, hope will always come. He started singing this little melody and he's like, well, I don't know if you want to write that or not. I don't know. So uh, we all sit down and start writing and we you know, we're all throwing out ideas and uh, we finished the song. At that time, it didn't really affect me too, too much. You know, I haven't faced a lot of turmoil in my life, but I know other people have and I knew it would help other people. And that's just the funny thing about songwriting. Sometimes you write songs and you don't know who they're for until you figure out later. We, we finished the vocals and we started recording and was going to release it as a single. And then, boom, I got diagnosed with cancer. And um, we had almost everything done except the artwork that we were going to put on the front. And I was very specific about this artwork that I wanted on the front. It all hit and we finally got everything squared away and released it. Uh, I think why I was in the hospital uh, during my first stay the lyrics took on a whole nother meaning. Again, sometimes you write a song, don't know who it's for, and then you figure out it's, it's for yourself.
2: You can't figure out just where you're going You are your own like a dead end When you feel the door is closing That's when hope comes in That leap of faith has got you down There's a blessing you forgot to count For peace it's left you broken That's when hope comes in ooh Life can change When you least expect it to It's amazing what a twist of fake truly was
0: sort of my anthem during that whole time because we had some pretty bad days and days that started out awful and you know I was feeling just terrible but the the song you know kind of gave me hope and um I didn't know that I wrote it for me but it became my anthem
1: right You know, last year, I had a chat with Jan Bozarth, who's a songwriter, and she talked about how breast cancer affected her relationship with music. You talked a little bit here how the cancer diagnosis and treatment affected that song for you. How has it influenced your relationship with music?
0: It's definitely opened my eyes a little when it comes to the absolute amazing support of Nashville and with with songwriting stuff, um, I've definitely written a few, um, a few songs about it, but it's mostly, I I always look at it through a positive, um, I I try to look at at every, every, at everything through a positive lens. So, um, I don't really write a lot of woe is me sort of things about, um, about my cancer diagnosis, but, uh, I'm definitely always up for writing, you know, the positive stuff about things. And, um, it's definitely opened my eyes to the amazing support that is Nashville. It would have been nothing to have 20 people in my hospital rooms all singing their songs and us singing together. And we actually got a a G.S. Mindy Taylor guitar donated uh, one of the first days that I uh, I was in the hospital. Since that, everyone that came into the hospital room had to sign the guitar and play a song on that guitar. And the stories that that guitar holds is absolutely crazy. It's definitely shown me how much love and support Nashville has to
1: offer and just how amazing this community is. One of the things that first attracted me to your Instagram and your music and everything was the positivity. I mean, with everything that you as a 15-year-old are having to balance right now, it's so encouraging and inspiring for me as a 51-year-old woman. Obviously, for the over 16,000 people who follow you, I'm curious, did the folks at the CBS's show, The Talk, finds you through social media, because I know you You just had an appearance on The Talk um, with Marie Osmond remotely from home because of the pandemic, and I'm wondering how that came about.
0: With being diagnosed and uh, me wanting to give back to the community, we have been involved in multiple, multiple um, cancer organizations, one of those uh, specifically being uh, Children's Miracle Network, CMN. I've done quite a few things with CMN and uh, one of their hospitals, uh, it's Children's Medical Networks. They have have hospitals in their network all around the U.S. and Canada. Vanderbilt is one of those we got in contact. And uh, I've done quite a few things with them in the past. uh, I went to, I represented them during CRS. I've done a few things, uh, just other small functions. One of the founding members of that is Marie Osmond. And it was her, John Snyder, and a few other people. One of the contacts that I have at CMN said, hey, I want you to send a video to Marie Osmond because she wants to thank you for all the the stuff that you've done for Children's Miracle Network, and she wants to uh, see your stuff. I sent the video and then uh, introducing myself, and then she uh, became in contact. She started following my social media page and doing this and that. The talk does this thing called May It Forward, and uh, she wanted to highlight one of her uh, um, Children's Miracle Network kids. She offered the thing to me and said, would you like to come on the show? And I said, absolutely, of course. Of course. um, Yeah, I would. No, I'm sorry, Maria. I'm too busy. No, I, I was absolutely honored. She, she invited me, and uh, we talked a little bit about Children's America Network and all that they do and my career and how my life has changed um, due to the diagnosis. And uh, she is so supportive and so incredibly sweet and just an amazing person.
1: So I have to ask because, I, just to let you know, Marie Osmond was one of my idols when I was a little girl. I used to sit down every week and watch the Donnie and Marie show. So I would have been really, really nervous. Were you nervous?
0: I've done this for a little over five years when it comes to performing thing, uh, performing and stuff. And I don't know whether it's because I grew up at Nashville or whether, um, I it's just my personality, but I don't get starstruck easy. I, I can meet people and totally keep calm. And I, I don't know why that I'm like that, but. I am. <laughs> so I wasn't I wasn't really nervous. And she called me the night before and sort of gave me the lowdown of what was going to happen and uh, what quest- sort of questions she was going to ask and what I can expect. So that was really nice because it, granted, was the first time I was ever on national television. So that kind of got my nerves up a little bit. But she was so sweet and, t- you know, giving me the whole lowdown, running me through everything. So uh, not really. I wasn't that
1: nervous. She was probably about your age when she started appearing on national television segments as well.
0: Yeah, she chatted with me a little bit about that. And she said her first uh, major album was when she was 12. So oh. she, so she's a, a, little, a little ahead of me in that front. She's super kind and uh, she has a lot of good stories to tell and a lot of
1: um, very valuable information. We have reached out to your friend, Gail, on Instagram. As somebody who knows you, uh, she wanted to share her thoughts about you. And she said, Ava is a gift to the world. She is caring, talented, giving, smart, brave, strong-minded, and a force to be reckoned with. She can also talk about space and guitars for hours. Okay, what's the space? Okay, so uh, first
0: off... Um, I love you, Taylor. I've known her before she switched her stage name. So I'm sorry, girl, but you'll always be Taylor Gale to me. It's kind of funny when I hear people refer to her as Gale. I've known her for a very long time, probably too long. But uh, yes, I can talk the ear off of anyone who will listen about space. I, when I was younger... I actually had a, a news interview and they said, what do you want to, it was something along the lines of like, what do you want to be when you grow up or something? And I said, um, a musician, a, a, a songwriter, a singer, and an astronaut. So, um, <laughs> I've always been, I've always been obsessed with the cosmos and everything to do with space ever since I was very young. I actually went to space camp in Huntsville, Alabama for a week when I was, um, when I was t- 11, I think. My dad is a pilot, and um, he's big in aviation, so he actually sold his plane to the astronaut who gets him, and has sort of stayed in contact throughout the years. So when I was in the hospital around, I want to say um, August, uh, because we had to stay there for a very extended period of time, and uh, around August, my dad called up poot and was like, Hey, uh, my daughter recently got diagnosed with cancer and she's a space she's a space nut. So would you come and um, hang out for a bit and just kind of chat? So he came and he told me all the stories of working at NASA. And uh, for those of you who don't know who, who Gibson is, um, he was a uh, he did five um, space shuttle miss- missions and commanded four of those five. Um, so he was the pilot flying flying the the big old space shuttle it was super fascinating to listen to and i can i can listen to and i could talk and
1: listen about space all day <laughs> that's pretty that's a pretty special connection do you like taking science classes in school i do
0: um i actually love school personally Um, I'm online schooled. I was um, in public school until seventh grade, until my music career got uh, a little too busy. So we decided to go online because public school was just taking up too much and stressing me out. So um, we moved online and I personally love learning. I mean, I love math. I love science. Uh, Funny enough, my least favorite subject is uh, English and grammar. And I'm a songwriter, so I find, that ex- I find that super ironic. I love everything to do
1: with science and space and all that. As Gail or Taylor said, you're talented, brave, smart, strong-minded, a force to be reckoned with. I mean, you're balancing music and school and your cancer treatments. How are you doing all this?
0: Honestly, with a very supportive family, it's it's not easy, definitely. And uh, things had definitely slowed down due to the diagnosis, but I'm, not, I'm definitely not letting it stop me. When I first got diagnosed, um, you know, six doctors walked in, sat us all down and told us the news. They said, hey, you're probably going to be in here for about a month and a half. With the leukemia treatment, how that works is they want to get you in remission in 40 days. And then the rest of how many years that you have is all preventative treatment. So when they told us that, of course, you know, we all started crying because what else do you do when you figure out your diagnosed of cancer? But then I was like, OK, stop crying. Just, you know, how can we fight this? And that's the sort of mentality that I've kept throughout this whole thing. And when I've had days I don't want to, I don't want to do something, or I'm just feeling, you know, uh, I don't want to pick up the guitar, or I just don't feel like it. And my dad will say, "Okay, let cancer win then." So, and then I get mad, and then I pick up the guitar and start running through my scales again to try to get my finger, uh, my motor skills back. So um, it's it's with a very supportive family that I've continued to stay involved in music. Juggling all the different schoolwork that I have, and my parents helping me out, and uh, especially my mom who drives me around everywhere because, uh, Lord knows, I can't drive. Th- there is a video of that on my my, my social media because I, I got my permit a while back, and I'm an awful driver. Oh no! I'm absolutely <laughs> awful, and I'm turning 16 in uh, August, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, you're going to start driving," and I'm like, "No, I'm
1: scared <laughs> to drive. I'm scared of myself driving." Did I see that you have a port in your chest for the chemo?
0: Uh, yeah. So when I was first diagnosed, um, you know, they told us everything. They told us the layout of my treatment and they waited. They gave me a few blood transfusions because my uh, counts were so low because leukemia is a cancer of the bone marrow. So um, it affects all your number counts. And uh, once that they, they came up to an appropriate level, they uh, took me in surgery and uh, installed my port for those of you who don't know what a port is, it is a little uh, thing in your chest that goes directly to your heart that they stick a needle into. And that's how they access you. So you don't have to uh, get like an IV stuck in your arm every week.
1: How does that affect how you play guitar or sing? Does it, is it something that you have to kind of work around?
0: Thank God it does not. Um, It's very cool. Um, All my doctors and everyone on my team knows that I'm a musician. So it's super cool. Um, So whenever I have to go under anesthesia and they have to intubate me, uh, which means stick a tube down my throat. They know that since I'm a singer, they have to be kind of fragile, and they'll even put a smaller tube in if possible. So the port um, does not affect uh, anything um, like my guitar or anything. It doesn't make anything uncomfortable. It sits uh, very flush on my uh, on my chest, so I don't really feel it. When I had a pick line in, however, that was annoying. I didn't didn't post a lot of video or pictures with me, with my pick-in, I don't believe. It was when I first got out of the hospital after a month and a half stay. So the reason why I had that was because, Lord knows, we faced every road bump that you could hit when it comes to side effects of chemos um, in in our treatment. One of those was since my uh, immune system was so down, uh, I had a fungus started growing in my nose. It ended up eating half of my nose. Normal people have a separation between your left and right nostril. I don't. That's why I can whistle, which is super funny. Like, I'll see if it comes through the headphones, but (sniffs) do you hear it? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So it's a little party trick that I have.
1: During all of these treatments and where you are now, I know that um, you've lost your hair. The steroids have had some side effects. What about songwriting? Has it affected your songwriting or have you still been able to songwrite during all of that?
0: Yeah so it definitely affected it and um the certain steroid that I was on was called prednisone and uh I was on 120 milligrams a day so it uh at, during that during that period and uh with that along with the blonatumumab your mind goes everywhere I should say so it was very hard to focus during curates so I had to face that problem a little bit once I got out of the hospital and was feeling up to writing again Now, uh, I've managed that, and it's gotten much, much better because I've been slowly weaning off a lot of medications. Granted, right when I was ready to start really riding again, coronavirus hit, so that was fun. Luckily enough, I've had um, very patient co-riders who have waited until, you know, I was ready and stuff and they're Skyping and we're Skype writing or Zoom writing and, or I'm, uh, I'm coming up, I'm having a few friends over and like staying six feet apart on the patio and writing. I- I'm definitely still writing. Uh, I started performing out a little more and uh, getting my stamina back, because um, I had a three-hour show uh, every every week down at the George Jones on 2nd Avenue, and uh, I had that for about three years. And then the diagnosis hit, and uh, I, I lost
1: my stamina for three, uh, for those three-hour sets. So I'm slowly getting that back. I can't wait for that to happen for you and for everyone, especially so that we can see a live performance, because I'm, I'm ready. I want to go to Nashville. My sister lives in Franklin, just in Spring Hill it would be a hop, skip and a jump to come and see you play.
0: Absolutely. We live, um, actually spring hill is very close to us all considering we live in Mount Juliet.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. Well, you know, and let's talk about another, uh, another activity that requires us to go around a lot of people that I know is really important to you. Hockey. Oh yeah. You're a hockey fan. Yes.
0: I, we, so I'm not a big sports person. I've never really gotten into sports. My parents used to be really big Titans fans. No offense to any other Titans fans out there, but for a while, we really sucked. They would go all day, go tailgating, and then the Titans would lose. It just, it, they sort of lost interest. And that was when the Preds really started picking up. So they went to a few games and were immediately hooked. Those of you who have never been to Nashville, if you ever visit, make sure to go to a Predators hockey game. It, this It's like nothing else. And uh, we were super, super fortunate to um, have the season tickets during the 2017 season. And for those who are following, that's when we went really far in the Stanley Cup. Uh, I will say for those of you who know the Predators, Pecorine is one of the nicest guys I've ever, I've ever met. Is he your favorite player? Um, he's one of my favorites. I'll say, I have to say my favorite player is uh, Roman Yossi. It's hard not to love him because he can't be talented and pretty. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Um. I actually got to sing the national anthem right before everything closed down <laughs> at the Predators game. They reached out and was like, hey, do you want to sing the national anthem? And I'm like, yes. I, that's probably the m-
1: most nervous I've ever been, uh, for a performance in my whole life. You've got all those live fans there versus what we were talking about before on TV. You're not seeing the millions of people in the audience.
0: Oh yeah. And the funniest thing was, um, I had quite a few, uh, I reached out to quite a few of my friends and was like, Hey, you know, you've sung the national anthem at large venues before, what, what, can you give tips or anything? And one of the guys that I was talking to said, have in-ear monitors and turn them up as loud as you can. Um, Because one of the disorienting things is when you hear uh, your echo and hear everyone singing back at you. It was it was crazy and I had my in ear monitors turned up so loud I couldn't hear anyone but myself and then I took them off at the end and everyone was um singing along and it was really cool. It was probably one of the coolest and scariest um performances I've ever had. So
1: <laughs> how patriotic you must feel after doing an anthem, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we're a very patriotic family in general. Um, we have a very long line of military in my family, and uh, we're all very proud and honored
1: to live in this country. So it was uh, it was great to sing our national anthem. Aside from the patriotism, because we know it's there, you're also a big believer in giving back. And you started your, and I'm assuming the LLC is a nonprofit? Yes. Can you tell us the name again and exactly what the LLC is doing?
0: We had a concert a while back, a benefit concert for my cancer fund personally, and uh, it was called Picking and Kicking Cancer with Ava Page, and uh, we ended up selling out Third and Lindsley, which is a venue here in Nashville. We had a great time and raised quite a bit for my cancer fund we kept the LLC and uh, made it into a nonprofit. So later when I'm done with my treatment and everything, and I can, you know, (laughs) steadily keep on my feet, I want to start doing benefit concerts and sending gift baskets and things to other kids that have cancer. I'm very excited about the future for the LLC and the nonprofit.
1: As we get ready to wrap up our chat, I'd like to ask our uh, guests, What is advice that you would give, and in your case especially, to another teen female musician, singer, songwriter, someone who wants to get into the music business as far as starting a path of success?
0: One of my biggest things that I always say to people who want to get into the music business is network. So you're only as good as the people who are around you because there's a lot of good people in Nashville. There's a lot of talented musicians trying to make it. If you get a good group of people who, you know, you support and they support you, that's how that's how you make it in the industry. If you network, go, go to songwriter rounds. If you want to get co-writes, because I think co-writing is a very fundamental part of um, country music nowadays or any sort of music nowadays. Go to the writers rounds, go support the people that you want to eventually write with. And uh, maybe don't bring up writing the first time you meet them and just go sort of support and then, you know, get that relationship going. And that goes with the future co-writers, that goes with industry executives, that goes with anyone. Um, Just getting that team around you that you can trust and uh, people that support you and you support them is one of the most important things because Nashville is just one big small town. You got to get the people that you, that you can rise up with, because if you keep supporting them and they make it, most likely they'll bring you with them.
1: Great advice. Ava, thank you so much for that and for being on Backstage Chats with Women in Music.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: And thanks to all you listeners out there. We love sharing the stories of ladies like Ava because they remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash our inner rock stars. Folks, it's time to wrap it up. I'm Thea Wood. Looking forward to seeing you at our next chat. Take care. Backstage Chats with Women in Music is a production of Horizon Music Foundation. Contributors include Thea Wood for production and editing, songwriters Ava Page, Jeffrey Joseph East, Robert B. Simpson for the song Hope Comes In, Social media coordinator, Eleanor Bush, and podcast theme music from Pond5.